Hey, I'm a massive welcome to, to church this morning. Um, my name's Julia, and I'm one of the one of the pastors here at Life. And um, I just thought I'd give you a little update as well. So in September, we are going to be planting a campus out in Selwyn, um, which is super exciting. Where's all my Selwyn people? Like nothing, guys. Come on, really. <laughs> Uh, no, we've we've um we've been really excited. We've been staying together over the last couple of months and um just getting to know each other and and praying and um we're just feeling really excited about what God's what God's doing out there, eh? And um I can I'm happy to tell you that we have now confirmed a venue, which is super exciting. We are pumped. We're going to be starting out in Lincoln High School, um, which is is going to be awesome, and there are some definite advantages um, there for us, which is really exciting, so we can really just see God's hand in it. Um, this week, the trailer arrived, that we're going to have all our gear in, which is exciting. The drum kit has arrived. Um, Tim has ordered a whole bunch of other stuff, so it's all starting to come together, and we are nine Sundays away, team. Nine Sundays. Yeah, nine Sundays, and we're going to be launching, which is, is incredibly exciting. Um, so I guess also as well, uh, on as part of that part of that journey, we had our Thanksgiving and faith offering. Who is still a little bit blown away by that? Like, oh my goodness! Um, when Carl Carl told us, he was a bit mean actually. This, <laughs> yeah, he's he's not here, so I'm going to tell on him. Um, he goes, okay, guys, and he kept like a total straight face. And he's like, so I'm gonna we're gonna let you guys know so that you have some time to process your disappointment. <laughs> I know, right? So we're all like, okay, okay. And then he told us the number, and then there was that moment where you're like, what was the number again? Like, was that? And that moment when I think we all just kind of sat there as, like, just stunned at the goodness and the faithfulness of God, and that number just blew us away. And um, if you're just visiting with us this morning, a couple of weeks ago, we had our Thanksgiving and faith offering, and God just blew our minds. And um, I think as you know, as, as part of the team that, that gets to lead some of the areas that um, some of that money is going to be going into, I think um, it's one thing when, when, it's an amazing thing when people, um, you know, give you their words and say that they're, they're behind you and support, like that is amazing. But when you see the willingness that people are willing to sacrifice to in their weekly, oh, it's, it's just next level. And it's so incredibly humbling. And it just, just blows my mind, right? And um, so I just, I'm just so excited about what God is going to do with us within a church. And so when he told us that number, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And of course, typical, I was like, oh. But what also excited me, and I guess what I want to share a little on this morning, is that my second thought was, oh, my goodness, how amazing the stories that are going to come from the house this year of where God is going to, where people have stepped out in faith, where people have, have chosen to honour him in that area of finance. What are the stories that are going to, we're going to be able to testify to in a year's time of how God has met us in those places? Isn't that amazing? And I was really challenged because I was like, what does it mean for us to tell our stories well? To be able to to, to be able to share with people, actually, what is God doing in our lives and what does this look like? And I'm um, Jono, in the same week that it was announced, he, he shared a message about just kind of the, the strength of intergenerational relationships. From And um, he shared from 1 Samuel, and it had been a while since I'd actually looked at this passage, and I guess kind of a bit of context. One of the, the teams that I'm involved with here at Life is Red Frogs. So we do a lot of 
um, outreach into the universities and what that looks like is we're at a lot of the big party events and um, concerts and a whole bunch of different events that happen in the city and a lot of the time we're um, handing out pancakes and feeding people and doing safe walk homes to make sure that they get home safely but we often also run safe zones as well so for whatever reason if people have drunk too much they get um, brought into us and a medical team and we love and we care for them because we believe that um, you know Jesus is in those places right and the places where other people would look at them with judgment we want to look at them with love and um so I spent a lot of time in these safe zones right um so see if you can pick up when John I was reading the part that really kind of stood out to me in a different way so if we read through it um in 1 Samuel so it's talking about Hannah has has come up to the temple hang on actually I'm just gonna take this off because it's <laughs> it's cooking up here um so Hannah has she's come to the temple and yeah, the, the problem is that she's one of two wives, right? Who knows that could be problematic right from the start. But the first wife has got children, but Hannah hasn't. And it says that God had closed her womb. And every time they made this visit down to the temple, the other wife would taunt her with these things. And so she gets to this place where she comes before God and, and she... We pick it up in 1 Samuel, it says, Once when they'd finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting at the chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deepest anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord in all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. This was the part that got my attention, because I've spent a lot of time in safe zones, and I've become well acquainted with drunk, drunk girl crying, right? And so you can, like, I can, I can visualize it, like, he is, he's sitting there, he's like, can you, can, can you just imagine that cry? It's the... <laughs> But she's not making a sound. It's at that point where it's the silent cry, the silent drunk girl cry. And she is just pouring her heart out before God and just kind of captured my attention for this description in a way that it hadn't before. And um, there says, she follows on through, um, not so much, Hannah says, I'm not drunk. Um, she says, I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring, pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of the anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace. And may the God of your Israel grant you what you have asked him. And as, as I was kind of thinking on this, I was like, actually, I think I know that place. I think I know that place of coming before God and it being so raw that it actually just looks like drunk girl crying, right? And I think if we were totally honest, I think most of us in this room could say that we know that place as well. If you were to look at our inner emotional lives and some of our conversations with God, it would kind of it would look like that really raw emotion because I think the place that Hannah was in was the place of, why God, I just don't understand. And the, the rawness and the pain that comes with that place. Now, do I have some friends who know that place as well? See, but what amazes me as we carry on through that story 
is that God went on to bless her in the most amazing of ways. He gave her an amazing son who was an incredible blessing to that nation. It was in that it was that Hannah that moment for Hannah that led to her Samuel story. How many Hannah moments do we have in our lives that ultimately can lead to Samuel stories? And my heart and my prayer is that over the next year, as we journey through, as we step out in faith, that we will have Hannah moments. We won't get stuck in our Hannah moments, but we'll be able to look past those and see the Samuel stories of what God is working in amongst her, right? See, there is incredible power in our stories. The ability, sometimes we think with our testimonies that when we ask someone to share our testimony, it's our time, you know, when we were maybe away from God and the time when we came back to God or, or if we've kind of known God all our lives, we don't really think that we maybe have much of a story. But what about the power and the stories that we have of God's faithfulness? The stories of where God has come through for us in our finance. The stories where we have stepped out in faith. The stories of when we have placed difficult times. Those times when just like Hannah, we have poured out our hearts before God. And we have known his goodness and his faithfulness in those places. But I think sometimes we can, we can forget those stories really quickly, right? Well, it feel it's so raw and so real when we're in the Hannah moment. But when we have our Samuel story, we just kind of sit back and go, Oh, that's cool. But um, I thought, actually, the world needs to hear our stories. And just on Friday, I did a quick couple of screenshots, just if you open the Stuff app. And these are some of the stories that we're reading on a regular basis, right? Teens dead, pregnant, kicked out, five organs, five lives, Canada heatwave kills 33. What else have we got? Um, you know, world news. These are the stories that the world is hearing on a regular basis, our friends, our families, people in our workplaces, we talk about these stories with people. We talk about, you know, the World Cup. We read about the news. Those are the kind of stories that are on our hearts and that we're talking about. But what does it look like to have God's stories in amongst that? What does it look like to share some of our Samuel stories in these places? See, I love as we're looking at um, some of the, the global stuff, as we see what's happening on the world news, there is also amazing stories that are happening with our teams in and, and Mozambique, for example. So just this week, um, this is a, a photo of some of the team. They have just finished translating the Jesus film into Koti. For the first time, the Koti people are going to be able to hear the story of God in their own heart language, in a language that they understand, which is amazing. And, and the, their desire is to take this out into other villages, into uh, many, many people that still don't know Jesus, and to be able to share this with them. They want to tell the story of what God has done in their lives, and so they've been finding creative ways in order to do this. And South Sudan, in the next two months, the team's going to be completing another Bible translation into another heart language of a people group down there. Do you know the reason why the team is working so hard? Like some of the conditions, the stuff that happens in their lives and around their families around these times is, is man, most of us would be on a plane back home. And but they have such a deep conviction to doing this because they so believe that the story of God can transform lives in a radical way. They believe that their nation has been so torn apart by war, by 
abuse of men and women. There is so much, so much mistrust, so much dishonesty that goes on within that nation. There is generation and generation of hurt and pain, and they, they wholeheartedly believe that the power of Jesus is the only thing that can heal it. That the truth of God's kingdom is the only thing that can bring peace to that nation. And so they work so hard because they want people to be able to read and understand the story of God in their own heart language and a language that they understand, not one that they've had to kind of learn parts of. Isn't that amazing? It's the power of story. These teams, these teams continuously travel. They go to rural places. They go to tough places. They go to hard places to share their God stories of times when God met them in tough places and gave them hope. They go to these places to share their Samuel stories because they believe that God's heart is that everyone would have a Samuel story. Everyone would have a message of hope to be able to carry. And I think even in this room, There are many, many stories that we can testify to of God's faithfulness, right? Times when we've prayed and we've been in anguish and deep places of despair and God has met us. I know that in this room there is amazing stories of how God has has healed marriages. There are stories of how God has brought children back home and back to a place of faith. There are stories of of amazing uh, medical miracles that have happened in this house. There are business strategies and, and creative solutions that God has given to people that we can, we can testify to. There are amazing, amazing stories of how God has worked that are sitting in this room. But how often do we tell these stories? How often do we testify to them and add these stories into the mix of st- other stories that people are hearing in the world? A few years ago... I was at a um, like a, a public speaking workshop, and they were sharing with us like what actually what actually makes a good story. How what what are the factors that contribute to um, a well communicated story? And there's some like you know technical things and all that sort of stuff. But they played us a video clip, and um, it was it was a man sharing the journey of. Actually, his wife had passed away and just some of his journey that had been with that. And, and then we turned, they turned the video off at the end and they said, technically, was that a well-communicated story? And as we kind of looked at it and we evaluated it and we're like, no, actually, there was a whole bunch of kind of technical things that he'd missed, that he hadn't done, that he hadn't communicated. But had we all engaged in the story? Yeah, we had. Were we able to communicate, like retell the story? Had we heard what had been said? Yeah, we had. And as we unpacked it, what it was that had made it such a good story and what we had connected with was his vulnerability, his willingness to be honest and to share with us because there's something within the human heart that is is wired to hear that. And so it wasn't about being able to be the best technical storyteller but it was about his willingness to actually share something of himself with us and, and, and for us to, to, tr- to be entrusted with that. And we felt the weight of that. And then they pointed out to us that actually, you think of a lot of the top movies in the world, most of the, the highest grossing movies in the world have an underlying story of human redemption within them. 
See, what is it about the stories that so capture our hearts? I think it's because God's wired us that way, right? We're all searching and looking for a deeper story that we're called to be a part of. We're all looking for stories of hope and restoration because ultimately we're looking for that in Jesus in our relationship with God. And so what I thought was so amazing and what has stuck with me is that there was that vulnerability that they connected with. But, but the thing was, it was process vulnerability. He had worked through it and he got to a place where he was able to share it in a way that connected and resonated with us. But the issue is, we've all seen unprocessed people sharing stuff that's unprocessed vulnerability right? That's when it's a little bit of the train wreck. That's when it's like, when it's in that raw emotion of like drunk girl cry, you know, as we're trying to communicate and tell that stuff. But what does it actually mean to to process our stories, to grow through them well, so that we can share them with an element of vulnerability and, and truth in people's lives, that they connect and they resonate with others? Um, I was last year. I was chatting with a uh, was an event here at Levita, and um, it was a, a guy who was a very, very intelligent man. He was down at university. He was doing multiple degrees. He was, um, you know, I can't even list them off. But when he, you know, it was one of those people that when you ask him, you know, what do they do, and they tell you, like, you automatically just kind of feel intimidated, right? And you're like, oh, geez, like I'm nowhere near as smart as you. And then of course he goes, well, what do you do? And sometimes it's great to be able to tell people you're a pastor, and other times you're just like, oh, man. <laughs> so I told him, and, and I have to say, if I'm completely honest, like, I felt pretty intimidated about having a faith conversation with this guy. Um, and he told me that he had some, some Christian friends, and they got on really well, but he, he, didn't have, he didn't believe or have any kind of faith and stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, right? And then he started asking me some questions about my faith. And I was just like, you know, just like that little kind of sick feeling you get in your stomach where you're like, oh, man, what, do we do? what am I doing? And he just kind of asked me this, asked me some questions. And, and I totally believe that it was, it was the Holy Spirit because it was just kind of way above what I could kind of think at the moment. But um, I was just able to share with him that the reason why I had a faith and why it was so important to me was because of the deep sense of peace that it gave me. And I remember just the look on his face and he just went, hmm. Because he couldn't argue with that. And for all his degrees and and all the things that he had and believed and all this stuff, he didn't have peace. And so the conversation that flowed from that wasn't, wasn't an intellectual one, it was an emotional one. But that's the power of our stories, the power of being able to communicate what God has done in our life and being able to testify to it because people can't argue with our stories because they're our stories, right? But we can give voice to them. But how do we, how do we make sure that we don't get stuck in the place where Hannah was? How do we ensure that we don't just kind of stay in that raw, broken place? But how do we keep growing and how do we keep moving through that so we can testify well to our Samuel stories with an element of process vulnerability to be able to share out of that place of truth? See, I love this story in John chapter 5, and it's something that I've been 
kind of thinking about a lot recently. And it says, once he had been an invalid for 38 years, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. When the water is stirred while I'm trying to get in, someone else always goes in ahead of me. See, this was Jesus. Jesus that was standing right in front of him. But even Jesus himself will often ask us the question, do you want to get well? Do we want to keep moving through these places? Because often these are stretching and hard and raw and vulnerable places. And processing, processing some of those stories and processing that vulnerability can sometimes require a strength that we're like, man, I don't actually know if I can go there. I don't know if I can go through that stuff. But there's got to be an element of us willing to actually do it. Jesus will walk with us. He will help us through. He will work in our lives. But we have to be willing to move, right? Are we willing to get well? Are we willing to journey through these things? See, I think sometimes that we can get so stuck in those places that we can fall into a place of self-pity. We can fall into that woe is me. And, and I'm not, tr- please hear my heart, I'm not trying to belittle some of the really testing circumstances, the really hard things that we do have go on in our lives. They are, they are very real and, and I don't want to belittle that in any way. But what is it? We can still go through hard stuff. We can be in hard places and we can still testify to the goodness and the faithfulness of God in amongst it, right? And I'm, Jonah, could you maybe give me a hand with this? I think sometimes as well we have to make sure that we keep our perspective. If I hold this end, if Jono, you go down the other end. Yeah, keep going all the way down to the back door. I think we have to remember to keep our perspective, right? And I've used this illustration before, but I think it is so powerful that we have to keep the perspective of our story as part of a bigger story. And if we think of this piece of cord as God's story, right? This is the, the part that is, has gone, gone before us, the story that we get to be a part of. And then this little, this little kind of part that I've colored in gets to be our piece of story. Because often we are so, this, the stuff that we go through, we think that it's going to last a lifetime. And sometimes, sometimes it is for a lifetime. But it's not forever, right? The rest of this rope is forever. This is, the, this is the forever that we get to spend with God, where there is no crying, where there is no pain, where there is no sickness, where there is no death, where everything within all creation is as God intended it, right? This is the incredible message. This part is the message of hope that we get to carry and gets to shape our perspective in this little part, in our little part of the story. And so I think in amongst it, what does it mean to lift our eyes? Thanks, Jono. What does it mean to lift our eyes and to shift our perspective and to tell the stories and to carry the hope of the bigger part of God's story that we get to be invited to? And how does that shift our perspective on the things that we're going through in a season and in a lifetime? So there are a couple of practical things. We keep turning up. We turn up when it's hard. 
Can anyone else kind of say, testify to the fact that sometimes the weeks when it's hardest to get to church are the weeks when it's most important to turn up? When the most important, the most important weeks to stay engaged, to go to life group, to have a coffee, have a conversation with a friend, those times... Those are the times when we have to just keep turning up sometimes. Simon did an amazing message last year on Sunday night how he talked about the neuroscience in our brains. And that even during worship, if we are just in a room and in a space where people are worshipping, that it shifts the, the brainwaves within. He's got all the technical stuff. Simon with the bed, you can have a chat to him if, if you need the actual details. But, but go how actually stuff within our brains shifts even when we are just in the room with other people that are worshipping. Isn't that amazing? So it might be really hard to get there. You might be in your Hannah moment where if we were to look at your internal world, it just looks like the ugly girl cry. But to keep turning up and to keep being in those places where you know God is, being around other people that are worshipping, even that alone is going to start to shift some stuff in your thinking and help to bring your perspective back. Isn't that amazing that God has given us that gift? That's why God says, you know, don't give up, don't neglect, don't give up meeting together regularly. Our relationships are, are important. How we tell our stories are important because the other things is that we can learn from other people's stories in these places, right? Our faith can be growing. When we're going through hard stuff, when we can see what, where other people have been there, that's why it's important that we don't just kind of go through these moments and forget about what God has done in our lives, but we actively choose to remember it and choose to honor it. Like, I love some of the stories I hear in this house. Like, I think even, you know, Eric and Doreen have told me an amazing story about how um, this was like a good couple of years ago, but it stuck with me and kept my faith. They, they were driving through the mountains with their family, and a car swerved and like kind of crashed in front of them, and then all of a sudden they were. They were driving into it, and then all of a sudden they were on the other side of it. And they have no root, no... It's all right to tell the story, I guess. Yeah, you can go see them if you want the facts for that one afterwards. Um, but, you know, this sense of God's hand and God's provision and the miraculous, and that is something that has shaped my faith. And going, God is in control of this stuff. God can move in the miraculous. The stories of healing that have come as people have testified to it in this, in this house. And going... Man, that, that lifts my face. I go, man, God can do that. That's incredible. See, really practically, we've got to be sharing our stories, not holding them onto ourselves. What if Hannah had gone to the temple and she'd had that moment and God had honored it and given her a son, but she'd never come back and firstly brought Samuel back to that place and honored the promise that God had made to her. But what if she'd never told the story to people of what had actually gone on for her? We wouldn't have it now, right? How would we have known? But because she was willing to share in that time, I'm sure, spread throughout you know, the region, and who, which she would never have known that it would have made all the way to New Zealand, right? But as we share our stories, it builds faith in the hearts of others. We need to be honest with God. And just like Hannah, we need to be willing to pour our hearts out before him. There's nothing that surprises him. There's no emotional feeling that we need to hold back from him. But we need to be real about those places in the valleys. Someone very wise in our church, good old Sandra Palmer, told me the other week, she said, what grows on the mountaintops 
nothing grows on the mountaintops, right? (laughs) Everything grows in the valleys. And so being real about those spaces and going, we don't have to hold back our feelings and emotions before God, but it's okay to say and to share with him when things are hard, when things are suck, when we don't understand, when we bring our whys and our, our God, where are you? And amongst it, but we don't stay in that place. But we bring it before him and be really real in our emotions with it. And we continue to surround ourselves and to keep moving in the right direction to surround ourselves with people that are going to be able to help. We have conversations with people that can journey through. We hear stories of hope from other people. We do things like life keys where we can um, you know, actually get practical skills around what does it mean to work through and to journey through some of this stuff. Because the world needs Samuel stories, right? And the Samuel stories sit within this very room. We can all have them. They're going to look different. We're going to give expression to them in different ways. But if we're committed to keep growing, to keep getting healthy, to being able to, then God's going to open doors and give us opportunities to be able to share these with a world that needs to hear them, right? Team, do you want to come back up? So, This morning as I was praying and and preparing, I'm just kind of asking God what he wanted to do in this place. And and I just felt like God wanted to to input some courage into us this morning. I think courage to be able to share our stories in places. Maybe there's some people in our world, that, in in your world, in your day-to-day, that you can maybe share a story with them of how God has worked and moved in your life, how God has been your provision or your hope or your confidence or your healing, how God has given you peace. And pray that, that God will give us courage to not be held back by those feelings of being intimidated, that they're, they're too smart or what are they going to say or how are they, what are, what are they going to think about this story? What are they going to think about me if I do, if I tell them this? But, but a courage to be willing to tell our stories anyway. And I also felt as well that he wanted to give courage to maybe those that at the moment aren't testifying to the Samuel, but are in the place where Hannah was, where it still feels raw, maybe we don't understand, but to give you courage to keep moving, to continue to process, to walk through that so that you can give your Samuel story. So I'd just love if, if you would stand with me this morning. And I'm just going to pray for that. But firstly... That maybe there were some people in here this morning that at the moment you don't have a story about your relationship with God. And that's the greatest story that any of us can have. Maybe you've come into this place and, and you used to know God, but you've walked away from that relationship. Or maybe you come here and you're searching and, and you're looking and, and you've never had that before. Hey, congratulations, you've come to the right place. Because we love telling people our God stories. That there is a God who is so crazy in love with you. 
that He created this world and He created us in amongst it. And His heart's desire was for us to have a relationship with Him, to know a sense of, as we walk, to know Him walking beside us. That's the kind of relationship He wanted. But we make mistakes and we mess up and we hurt people and we hurt ourselves and we do things that hurt God. And it creates this distance and this barrier between us and God. And there's nothing that we were able to do to fix it. But God was so desperate for, to have that relationship where He could walk with us again that He did everything that He possibly could to restore it. He sent His Son, Jesus. He was God who came and dwelt amongst us to take upon Himself all of our mistakes, all of our hurt, all the times that we've hurt other people. Jesus took that all upon Himself. And He took that brokenness and relationship with God so that we could have His relationship with God. One of a, a father and a son, a close and intimate relationship. Everything when we, everything that was broken could be restored. And again, we could know a sense of God walking beside us. And all we need to do is acknowledge that Jesus did that for us and to give our lives to following after Him. And then for all eternity, our story gets to be a forever story with God. God will walk with us in this lifetime and then the next one we will get to be with Him forever face to face. And this morning if you are here and you go, I want to have that kind of relationship with God. Maybe you've never had it before or maybe you had it once and you walked away from it. This morning I can give you a prayer. And if you would offer a sincere heart to wrap around it, then I know that God will hear that. And you can begin that new relationship with God. So if that's you this morning, I would just love if you would close your eyes. And as a, as a church, we're just going to pray for this. We're going to pray with you. It's a prayer we have all, play, all prayed. But if you want to join with us, Lord Jesus, I open my heart and accept you as my Saviour. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Forgive me for my sins and mistakes. Come and be Lord of my life. I am yours and I belong to you. I choose to follow you and your plan for my life. Amen. If you're here this morning and you prayed that, we have people who will be down by the doors at the end of the auditorium and at the end of the service. And you can grab one of these green flyers. It says, I said yes, and it has some more information around the decision that you made and, and how to keep growing in that, relation, that new relationship with God. We also have team available who would love to connect with you and um, have a coffee with you and hear your story and hear how we can continue to walk alongside you. So have a chat to one of those team. But right now we're going to pray that God will fill us with courage. God, we thank you for your sovereign power. Lord, we thank you that you are creator of all. And God, that you look at every single one of us. Father, and you delight in us. 
Lord, your love for us is extravagant. Your love for us is wonderful. God, it is more than we can fathom and more than we can comprehend. God, we want other people to know this kind of love that we've found. And so God, right now, I pray, Lord, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you will rise courage within each of us. Lord, courage to to tell someone a story of how faithful you have been to us. Lord, to tell them a, a story of how you have answered our prayer. Father, to tell you, tell them a story of the incredible peace that you have given us. Lord, of the hope that you have placed in our life. Holy Spirit, fill us with courage now. And Lord, for those that are in a henna space, Lord, that are in that moment, that are waiting on their Samuel story. God, we pray right now, Lord, that you will fill them with courage as well. Lord, to keep moving, to keep growing, to keep trusting you in amongst the hard times, to keep turning up and to keep holding on. Because God, we know that you are the one who is faithful. Lord, you are the one, Lord, who will come through. So Father, we lift these situations up before you in the name of Jesus. And we pray that that courage will fill our hearts. Amen. Hey, the team's going to lead us in a time of worship. But if there is anything, if there is anything that you would love someone to stand with you this morning and to pray with you and, and a whole number of different circumstances, you know, anything that's going on in your life that you want them to, someone who's filled with faith to stand with you and pray with you through, then we have the ministry team who's here. And so you can either... If you want to come up during this next couple of songs, you're welcome to. But if after the service you want to come up over this side, I know that the team would love to pray with you because we want more stories to come out of this house, right? We've got stories from over the years, but we want new stories this year as well to testify God's faithfulness.